Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch, and today we have a new host for the Dungeon Master's Block, Andrew Porcio. Hello. Andrew, you are part of the Block Party Podcast Network, and our listeners will be hearing you on occasion as a host for the Dungeon Master's Block. You are a DM. You have been playing role-playing games for quite a bit in your life. Where else can our listeners, if they're interested, hear you? Well, you can check out my show, uh, We're So Bad at Adventuring, which is an audio comedy about two regular guys in a fantasy world just trying to get by and avoid all the chaos and madness that is living in a world where quests, monsters, and heroes threaten your daily living. <laughs> uh, you can check us out at www.badadventurers.com, and we're also on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, we have a five-star review for this show entitled Excellent Source for Any DM. Five stars. It's by Demon4568. Very, very specific. I guess that that's like the branding that they get. And this one says, The depth and research of Chris and Mitch is delivered in an inspirational hour of premium content. So thank you so much, Demon4568. We appreciate that review. And with that in mind, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat back on the menu, boys. All right, so for the meat today, we have joining us Will Jones, host of for Encounter Roleplay, an actual play, Twitch, and podcast D&D campaign. Will, thanks for joining us here on the Dungeon Master's Block. Thank you, my friend. It's uh, absolutely wonderful to be here. I'm honored. Awesome. Alrighty, so first question we have for you today in our little interview is, uh, tell us about yourself. Alright then, well, my name's Will. I'm a 20-year-old British guy, loves to play D&D, uh, <laughs> and... Long walks on the beach, of course, and uh, of course. now I'm lucky enough to, uh, to get a doolap for a job over on Encounter Roleplay as a uh, full-time streamer and broadcaster. Nice. Yeah. And is that long walks on the beach in real life, or is that long walks like at the D&D table, like you just like <laughs> beach terrain? Yeah, beach terrain is my favorite terrain, actually, as a ranger. Um, yeah. As a ranger, that's <laughs> awesome. Can you tell us and the listeners who have maybe not heard about your show a little bit about what is Encounter Roleplay? Absolutely. Well, uh, Encounter Roleplay is a five days a week D&D live stream. We do over 150 hours of stream D&D every single month, a monthly 24-hour D&D stream. I've done 13 of those now. Uh, we've also got an actual play podcast just out called Adventurers Anonymous, a website, YouTube, all that good stuff. Man, five <laughs> days a week. That's like a busy schedule for, for you and your players. Does that become like yeah. strenuous at times? And like, are there times that you're like, man, this is, this is a lot? Do you guys have like like seasons off um no uh we don't have seasons off but, but yes it does get kind of stressful but luckily i've got different groups in each day so i actually uh, play a rotating so cast. you're the only one who's really yeah i'm the one who's there every day the others 
come and go. I've probably got 20 or 30 kind of ro- rotating cast members uh, who come by. I think I play 10 games a week online, and then I have to play a few offline wow, as man. well. man. Do you ever consider doing a TPK just to lighten your <laughs> Oh, yeah. Several times. Several times. Oh, we're not meeting on Tuesdays anymore. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> what first got you interested in DMing? Well, I suppose I kind of just fell into it a bit because I was the only one who would DM in the group. Mm. From a, a young age, my dad was into uh, Warhammer models, mm. and so I, I was into them as well, you know, nine or ten years old. I remember getting a copy of the Warhammer fantasy role-playing game. Oh, I yeah. went out and, and bought that, and then I insisted that my entire family play it. So no one else knew how to DM or what this game even meant, so I ended up doing it, and then from there I got into <laughs> D&D later on, and the rest is uh, history, as they say. That's awesome. Yeah, now, now War, Warhammer, uh, the fantasy role-play, that was pretty hardcore, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I don't think I understand it, uh, understood half of the rules that were going right. into it, um, <laughs> but I knew that I liked it. <laughs> I painted minis like that when I was younger, and, and now I use them for Dungeons & Dragons, which is fantastic. I didn't think I'd ever... I remember playing that game like once or maybe twice, and it was like so much information, and all the money I spent yeah. on those minis, I'm <laughs> glad that it didn't go to waste yeah yeah me too actually there's there's still in boxes somewhere and i get them out for D games occasionally perfect all right and so for our last question as we do with all guests we have a surprise question for you i know oh, yeah. this one that you you are prepared for you knew that a surprise question was coming but here is going to the, be the reveal <laughs> of what your surprise question is oh boy so will you come across a deck of many things in real life you're at maybe you're at your your day job or whatever it is and you walk <laughs> into the closet and there's a deck of many things on the shelf just kind of shining how many cards do you dare draw oh boy so there are i believe there are 22 cards within the deck of many things you're correct and if you pull out the 22nd card you're absolutely had it yeah well so, there's a couple of those so <laughs> there's a couple of them in there if you're alive by uh, the time you pull the 22nd card that's amazing so you gotta give it at least once so I, I put out once and i see what it is and if it's good i hit it again um i'm playing this like blackjack oh but that's that see that's the trick of the deck of many things at least as i understand in the old the old ga- one you had to choose how many you drew oh, you're and right. that was yeah. the number you're stuck with so do you still pick one or Ooh. do you go for more oh boy um that's such a good question i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick three cards three so one of them the good the bad and the ugly right and Hopefully the bad counteracts the good one, and then the mm. ugly one just throws something else in there as well. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> would you like to figure out what happens, like, if this was a real scenario? I'm ready with a deck of many things right now. I would absolutely love that. All right, so, Will, you are in the closet at work, and you draw <laughs> your first card. Your first card is the skull. This oh doesn't look good for you, Will. <laughs> <laughs> So you draw the skull and before you in this closet, a dread wraith appears and you have to defeat this dread wraith or you will be forever destroyed. I think that I will be forever destroyed in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Dread wraiths are are nuts, man. I don't. Quick question. What what level is the dread wraith? What level is Will? What level am I? Will's level. (laughs) Yeah. If we're talking about real life. So let's see. Oh, Dreadlays actually aren't that... Oh, no, that's a wraith. It doesn't sound good, does it? It does not sound good. 
Well, I assume Will is epic level in real life. <laughs> oh, I'm at least a, I'm on un- Paragon <laughs> level, dude. Yeah, straight <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, so if we're talking about 3.5, I don't know if 5e has the Dread Wraith yet, but the Dread Wraith was a challenge rating of a 11. So oh, you could take that. Oh, easy. Yeah. So all right. So let's say let's say that you do defeat the Dread Wraith. So there's two options here. Choose your own storybook. You die, or somehow you defeat this Dread Wraith. <laughs> you choose another card. And and your next card is the sun. Oh, there we go. So this sounds better. This sounds better. So you draw the sun and you gain a beneficial medium wondrous item and 50,000 XP. Oh, so boy. That's pretty sweet. Oh, I think yeah. that that would have been helpful if you got that before that the first, Dread Wraith. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a medium wondrous item and you have definitely leveled up. It's like an iPhone And then you draw your... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. An iPhone 8, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. yeah. That's what I feel like that's maybe what it is. Then you draw your next card and your next card is the star and you immediately gain a, uh, a plus two inherent bonus to one of your ability scores. So which which ability score would you choose? Ah, I think I'd go for charisma so I could be a better nice. streamer and broadcaster. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go. So, Will, all you got to do is you got to defeat that Dread Wraith and, and I'm, you're I'm looking pretty pretty. Yeah, I'm looking good. All right, all right. I can do that. <laughs> start training and start looking for that deck of many things yeah. wherever you go. It's time for a montage. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And so today, let's talk about, let's begin talking about what we came here to discuss as the meat topic today. We are talking about travel. So the idea of travel time in D&D. I think this is something that a lot of DMs have struggled with in the past. And I think a big part of that is the fact that it's about keeping your players engaged. And I know a lot of DMs want to have some sort of travel time because they want to give the feel of a real experience. But it's finding that like spot that is like just right where your players aren't bored or your players aren't just totally not even paying attention and pulling out their phones. So travel time in a Dungeons and Dragons game or any sort of fantasy game, what is that right amount to you guys? Like, how do you find that right amount of time? Hmm. Good question. Well, I think I think you're right. I think it's important because it makes us the world feel so much more immersive, right? And if you can kind of just like fast travel like you do in a video game, that's just a kind of disconnect for me. Yeah. So I, I tend to find the, the the kind of right amount is only when there's going to be a, a long period of travel, right? You don't necessarily need to to do a travel mechanic if you're going from the inn down to the potion store, right? So you want to keep it fairly brief, I'd say, because travel is essentially just very boring. It's one of the least, like, sexy things about D&D, really. So you try and spice it up a bit with a few things but if you do too much of it it really is just like oh god can we just get there right so um, maybe a scene or two nothing nothing longer than like a maybe an encounter or two along the road or a scene or two because <laughs> um, otherwise I find that even myself as a DM I find myself boring myself if, yeah. you know there's only so many Lord of the Rings two towers panning shots across the countryside that anyone can really take right 
Yeah, I'm in agreement there. And I think part of it is if you have a campaign that's kind of built around the idea of travel, more or less saying like, okay, you know, you guys aren't just going to teleport from spot to spot, you know, you have to actually get there. And and also like, is the world dangerous enough to where it merits following travel? But I know I've had games where as a GM, I'm like, I have zero interest in like narrating things that are unnecessary. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just going to pop them in the next town. I'm like, you don't reach any, you know, you don't reach any encounters, you get there safe and sound and the players yeah. are fine but at the same time it can be really interesting to say like well maybe the actual journey is the problem like lord of the rings it was more about the travel was the big part mm-hmm. of the game that's right yeah yeah and maybe you can do something in your game like lord of the rings i mean i am a fan of thinking about a role-playing game a role-playing experience as a movie or like it's mm-hmm. a narrative like and movies are uh, one of the greatest forms of narratives that we have today and so if you can describe it as a movie to your players like you can have that like montage of and we see you uh, walking on the road and rain is falling and you are going over hills and you're passing a cart you know just explain yeah. the way that the travel takes place you don't exactly need to go through every single moment but at the same time like you said will i think that there is this also a sense of and as a dm and a player i do want this this sense of immersion and the sense of Mm. like i want my role playing to be as real at times as it can get and so this idea of like well we're just going to skip over every single instance of travel that's not exactly something that I want to do as a DM. That's not something I want to do as a player. I think it's, I think that there are times where it's appropriate to travel, to have travel time. And there are times where it is inappropriate to do so. And I think you can gauge your group as well sometimes of that, you know, if they're in the mood where they just want to go out and get something done really quickly, you don't necessarily want to have to drag them out with another half an hour of describing the environment, right? If you know that the pacing in your story isn't such that it requires the travel, then uh, then definitely. Because there's a lot of, if we're talking about Lord of the Rings, there's a lot in Lord of the Rings where we're kind of getting to the climax of the story, and that's where mm-hmm. the travel takes place. And in the climax of that story, like, you know... Um, Helm's Deep, for instance, you know, there's not travel going on there. There's not too many like long panning shots because we're in the action and you don't want to kind of ruin the pacing of your story. Yeah, I would definitely agree with the pacing issue because, I mean, if you have a situation where players like, oh, we have to get to this location immediately, you know, bogging them down with travel. I mean, it, it could be an interesting way to like put a challenge in front of them. But if they're looking for a resolution of the story or even like just in terms of your own game time, like if you're trying to resolve yeah. a story within the four or three hours that you have, say, well, OK, well, do I really want to spend 40 minutes on a random encounter here or do I want to get the actual story itself resolved for the next game? Yeah, like Andrew, you just said this, like you you even said it with just an emphasis of like, we have to get there. We have to get there. If you have as a DM, like put a an urge to your players like, guys, this is this is time sensitive. You have to get to this point. And then you give them three hours, two hours, one hour of travel time and like random encounters and everything. You're doing a disservice to your own story because you're going to watch as your players lose that momentum of like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I, I need to get there. I need to get there. Instead, describe like as they jump in the carriage and whip the horses and they start to just barrel off towards the town and tell them how long it takes them to get there to have them have them do some sort of role if you would like to see how quickly they get there but you don't need to go through random encounters if there is a a point in the story where it's like man i need to get there but at the same time i think there is also points in a story where taking time 
to travel is something that aids the story. Like if you are, if your characters for some reason need to cross the desert and this desert is called the endless desert or like it has some like name like that if you just say and you go over hills of sand and it takes you 16 days but you finally make it like like that's your travel time your players and their characters through their players aren't getting any sort of like sense of man that desert sucks that desert was we almost died like of thirst of battles being fought and sometimes like it helps your story if you do have travel yeah and it helps your world as well right because so many great locations that you might just skip over are brought to life when you actually experience them. Like you say, this desert, maybe uh, it's just like, oh, I haven't got anything planned for this desert. Well, you know, what could be in this desert? There's, uh, you know, maybe creatures exist here. Maybe they have a bunch of experiences about just getting through, going to the next oasis. There's so many kind of uh, story opportunities, even in desolate wastes that could go on, I think. Yeah, and, and, and when you when you consider uh, the fact that realism might come into play with certain games, you know, some players might enjoy realism more. I mean, if you're in a medieval kind of setting and there's travel involved, like, that's a significant part of life back then. People couldn't just pop from place to place. We You know, we take a plane to things that nowadays would take, you know, a very long time yes. for people <laughs> to get to. And so it's like, if travel is part of that realism, you say, okay, well, then you have to physically feel like you're in that world moving from A to B to C see and that you know you have a whole range of elements to use against the players and it's part of that agreement if they're like okay we're in a physical world and we're going to physically be moving and not just popping from here to there I think, of course, with like any sort of time that you're DMing, you want to be making sure that your players are having fun. And so this like this example and this discussion on like, well, if it's this desert that you have to get through and it's a terrible desert and you want to convey that to your players, like whereas you can do things to make that desert feel long and feel terrible, like you don't want it to feel terrible in the sense of like you are traveling through this desert and you're looking up and your players have have pulled out their phones and are playing like different games on their phones or like staring off into space, getting up from the table and just saying, uh, Hey, I'm going to take a break, whatever it is, because that means you're losing them. Like you want your players to be able to look back on something like a desert. That's really long to travel through. And you do want them to be like, that was, that was rough. Like I would not want to go through that again, but at the same time you want them to have fun doing it and, and going through it. And I think there is a balance to that that like I think that I know my players they do enjoy difficulty and they do enjoy like difficult situations and sometimes they've they've told me like you know during the moment that was frustrating but like now I really love it and I appreciate it and it it can like you were saying will it can build up a part of your world and have it be like man that I never want to go and travel through that desert again And if you get to a point where, well, now in the future, you're playing another campaign and you have an airship and you're flying over that desert. And like you were saying, uh, Andrew, with a plane, it makes way less time. The players are all going to give this sense of like, man, it's a good thing we didn't have to travel through that desert. That desert (laughs) is awful. And I know that from experience. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely and also on the, the kind of other side of things you don't want to you know use that too often with the this like desert scenario that we're, we're talking about for instance absolutely you cross not. the desert <laughs> and they have this excellent experience like, oh god that was so tough when we got there and then you're like and now you have to go back and then they're like oh. <laughs> and before you once you reach the end of the desert yeah. is the forest of excruciating long travel <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And another another thing I'd I'd like to point out, too, is that there is a huge difference between travel and tedious. You know, uh, just because it's a challenging encounter to get through the desert, it doesn't mean it has to be tedious. I mean, if you give everyone a sense of action and things that they need to do to get through that desert, they'll feel more engaged. Like, I mean, if you just say, you know, figure it out and don't die, that puts more of the impetus on them to, like, actually want to overcome it as opposed to just narrating endless and then telling them all the things that suck. You know? Yeah, there's a difference between telling them and showing them, I guess, I suppose, and, and showing mm-hmm. them is infinitely more kind of engaging for the players. Yeah, that's a great point, because it's easy to say, oh yeah, the desert's really hot, versus, oh hey guys, you all take damage for, you know, heat. Yeah, yeah. Would you guys say that there are different types of games, too, that like make travel time a more appropriate thing like for me i'm thinking about i like to do narrative um linear and loose like storytelling and so i have this like plot that the players will be going through and along the way they're making choices that i have to be loose about and like allow them to be flexible and change the story as and give them agency but if you're doing like a strictly sandbox campaign i think travel time is much more of an appropriate thing to have be something that you focus on more in that campaign because that's part of that experience of your traveling to different places in the world that you, your players are choosing. And so along the way, you're getting all these different types of sandbox, random encounters and adventure hooks and all those kind of things. When I, when I think sandbox, I really think that like random encounters aren't, you know, the exception. They're kind of the rule. Like, yeah players are just moving along and so anything you throw in their way is interesting you know it's it's a potential plot hook it's something they can interact with so you know in terms of travel i would say the bulk of it would be what they encounter as they move around in a sandbox type game as opposed to more narrative one where everything is an obstacle to overcome to get to the next part of the story yeah i think i I definitely agree with that as well because if i'm running a like a, a published adventure module for instance likelihood is i'm trying to tell a story perhaps in a you know slightly short amount of time or we're just trying to get to like the, the good parts of the action maybe um and that kind of game and maybe what the players are looking for when they play a, a module or a more kind of linear type game as opposed to a sandbox is more of that kind of narrative experience or story um perhaps they're less focused on wanting to do travel or random encounters and the like so yeah i, I definitely think there's a there's a time and a place and, and it really depends on your group and the kind of game that you're running whether or not to which degree you wish to implement travel into your games I think maybe a good question to for us as DMs to like ask ourselves when we're thinking about how long of a travel time should be played, should be role play through is like, what am I as the DM trying to accomplish? Am I trying to give the feeling that this is uh, a, a terrible desert to travel through, a really big jungle with dangerous creatures in it that we are traveling through? Is it important that I give some sort of travel experiences along the way to my players and of course with all that like you guys have stated a bunch of times you you need to make sure that for each group that's going to be a different amount of time that they're still going to be engaged and still going to uh, be enjoying that experience and if there's some sort of urgency like are you ruining your game because you're trying to accomplish this urgency and by travel time you're just throwing that out the window for your players so we've we've mentioned in this 
episode a couple times now, uh, we've mentioned random encounters being something that happens along the road. Random encounters doesn't always need to be a a battle. Uh, It's some sort of encounter, something that happens along the road. I think that there is a huge difference between a random encounter and a pointless encounter. And through my time in DMing and through my time talking to other DMs through this podcast and off air, I've definitely gotten the sense that DMs and players, there's DMs and players out there that hate that term of random encounter and they never want to see a random encounter in their games. I don't, I'm not one of those uh, DMs, but I can understand where that's coming from, from players and from DMs. And I think that boils down to random encounters becoming pointless encounters. But what would you guys say is like that difference of having a random encounter happen in your game and a pointless encounter happening in your game? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Random encounter has this kind of, it's like a dirty word in d yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's, like a, it's definitely got some very negative connotations because I think it kind of harkens back to those old sort of tables that we'd have you know like roll a d4 oh look it's a kobold um and then it, <laughs> it, you know it suddenly suddenly appears for for almost kind of no reason i'd say that would be a, a fairly pointless encounter but the difference for me is whether or not an encounter progresses the story in any mm. meaningful way if it progresses the, the narrative because we used encounters and and uh, combats and other scenes just to kind of portray different aspects of narrative i suppose and if you've got you know a random encounter of a bugbear going for a forest it doesn't really add anything to the story that you're telling. You know, you fight the bugbear, you kill it, it's done, you get some XP. It's almost like a like an MMO or something in that sense. But you can spin kind of every encounter, or any encounter really, into being some part of your narrative. Um, so maybe this bugbear is infected with a disease, or maybe it's got an unholy taint on it, and that is just foreshadowing for the, the big bad evil guy Demon Lord that you've got set up for the next encounter that they've been working towards. So even if you do have, you know, something seemingly random, it, it, you can connect these things with a little bit of kind of improv on your part as DM. But yeah, a pointless encounter is something which, for me at least, just, you know, just happens, is unexplained, and then doesn't add anything to the story. It's very quickly forgotten about by the players, and we move on. Yeah, I, w- I would um, I would wager to say that a pointless encounter, the difference between a random encounter and a pointless encounter, is is really how much fun do the players have mm. dealing yeah. with it? Because, I mean, I, I know I, I have players where, you know, they have that combat itch. And I'm trying to run a diplomatic game or whatever. <laughs> and they're sitting there and they're traveling somewhere. And it's like, just throw them a bone, throw them something challenging. Yeah. And so they get to, you know, they get their little combat. But the thing is, it's like, I, I don't see the point of sticking around as a player if there's an encounter that I have zero interest in facing. Mm. So if, you know, you're on the road and like, oh, no, two bugbears come at you. What do you do? We run past the bugbears. <laughs> yeah. And then if the GM becomes very uh, interested in keeping me in that scenario, then that's when the rage comes out. I, th- I think <laughs> if the players aren't interested in the scenario in front of them, and we can all attest to this, they will either severely damage it or they will just move out of the way of it. And so it comes down to, is there a sufficient reason for them to engage? Do they enjoy it? And if they're not enjoying it, they won't engage in it. So I, I think that's what makes a difference. I think we've all had that point in like a, a game like Skyrim or something where you run past the 400th black bear and you're like, I, no, <laughs> yeah. no, sorry, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. I am sick of these black bears. I don't need the fur. (laughs) Let's just move on. Yeah, Yeah, I think that like you guys have both like hit that nail on the head of like if if you're trying to tell an overarching narrative, like 
like it it should it at the very least it should be something that has a chance of being part of the greater story like if you introduce an npc along the road that they meet up with and the characters like fall in love with this npc and they're like man that guy was awesome be, take note of that and say, all right, this guy's got to come back now. We've got to have them come back with this guy in another city because they love this guy. And, you know, sometimes a random encounter might be something that you throw in and you're like hoping that that's what it is. And your players, like you guys are saying, don't care and they want to keep moving. And you got to be able to roll with the punches and like say, all right, that didn't work out. Let, let's have them be able to roll past that and not worry about that. It has to be that fun and engaging that you were saying. I think that's, that is the point of a uh, pointless encounter is that your players do not care about it. They're going to walk away from that game. It's going to be for a totally forgettable thing. I think that random encounters have gotten such a bad, a bad reputation among the role playing community is because I think that there's a laziness that people think of when they think of random encounters that it's not, oh, well, the the DM, the GM didn't plan that much for the night. So yeah, it's, he's it's pulling true. out his random encounter like uh, table yeah. to roll on it's and like filler content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You never want to hear the GM say, and as you're traveling along, you see, uh, give me a sec, guys, roll some. Yeah, no, hey, no, you really don't. <laughs> dire wolf, dire wolf is in front of you. you <laughs> and and it's funny because some I've come across some random encounter tables that I've looked at and I'm like, man, there's some really amazing gems in here. And I think that there's like a way to still use those tables is just don't do it right at the table as yes. your as your players are like waiting <laughs> and yeah and like totally make it obvious that like you're just like coming up with something on the spot. But like maybe before you start the night, like if you have the idea that you're going to be traveling, look at that random encounter table and pick out the three best like things that you're like, I can come up with something really, really good for that. Random encounters aren't all bad. I mean, like really, if you're improving, you're doing random encounters all the time. That's really what it is, is you're, you're coming up with something on the spot. But I think it's that laziness that players don't want to see there and like that, that DMs don't want to be accused of is, well, I'm just pulling this out because I didn't want to plan or I didn't have time to plan. And so I'm, I'm using Using this chart to be able to throw something out to you because I'm not prepared. Yeah, yeah it's saying my commitment to you as a GM starts and stops yeah. at the roll of a dice. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I had a, a good example of this last night in our in our session last night. Actually, um, we uh, we have uh, viewer decisions on encounter roleplay, so we let people in the in the chat room kind of throw out some ideas as to what could happen next, hmm. and then the DM just has to roll with it. Like you have to fit it into <laughs> your game some way. So it's kind of the the utmost point of kind of improv how do you work this bizarre thing into into your narrative how does it fit kind of thing and uh they decided that there would be a, a bard a tiefling bard of cyan hair joining the group um he wanted hmm. to to tell a tale or, or something like that uh and uh, and i was like oh god what do i do so the bard comes along <laughs> and he's a he's a character who's looking to write a, a poem epic poetry about a group of adventurers um, and immediately the group kind of click with him and he kind of travels with them to, to tell their narrative, basically, to tell the story of their characters. Uh, and that night at camp, because he's a storyteller, he wants to dig into their kind of backstories. And so he asks them some very kind of pointed questions that wouldn't really come out in roleplay necessarily uh, beforehand. So um, you can always use these kind of random things and just kind of twist them a little bit and they kind of fit quite well into narrative. That was a random encounter, but now he's a favored NPC in the campaign, and I can imagine him having a, a big part to play. So uh, 
really there's no limit to what you can do with seemingly random yeah, it's things. great when you when you can pull it off to where the players don't even realize that it was just meant to be a minor role yeah. yeah, I bet you guys get some pretty cool and some pretty ridiculous <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> things that you guys have to role play through <laughs> yes. if the audience it's is, fun, is encouraging you to do so. Exactly. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's part of the fun for the players and the audience, right? Is, is you know, seeing how oh, yeah. you can improv through scenes like that, that are kind of seemingly odd and ridiculous. Um, and if the audience are having fun then the, and the players are having fun, then, you know, you're doing your job right, basically. Absolutely. And so I think this is a good time, Will, as we are talking a little bit about Encounter Roleplay, when you and I were discussing you coming on the show, we were discussing like, well, what is something that you'd like to talk about? What's something that you'd uh, be passionate about talking about? Travel came up specifically because in your show, Encounter Roleplay, you use a specific travel mechanic that you've come up with. Can you tell us a little bit about this travel mechanic and how we as DMs can use that in our own games? Yeah, absolutely. So over the years, I've kind of come up with a a quick and easy mechanic for the traveling, which gives the players agency, Uh, encourages the role play of their characters, and it takes, best of all, minimal prep for the DM. So <laughs> it's like that laziness <laughs> of the random encounter, but actually it requires a fair amount of kind of creativity. But it puts the creativity on the players and gives them some control of their stories, um, which is something I like about it. At, at the heart of the mechanic, it's a narrative version of a skill challenge, similar to the skill challenges in D&D 4th edition. And, you know, you can tweak this as much as you want. There's uh, additional rules if you want to use, but basically um, you have them roll initiative for the trap. So they're traveling for a long time. You get a, a running order who's going. Um, you can set an appropriate uh, DC for skill checks, depending on the, the party level. And after you describe the nature of the journey, the type of train that they're going through, let's take this desert, for instance, you ask your PCs um, the following question. So number one, you ask them to describe a problem. So what happens to the party or what happens to your character while you're on the road. Uh, do you encounter bandits? Is there a gully which needs to be traversed? Maybe there's a trader who's not who he seems to be. Uh, you kind of leave it up to the player's imaginations and you can veto anything which is too ridiculous, right? So anything which is like, I find the holy sword of God. Um, no. <laughs> um, you know, you, uh, you make it something which would fit into the, the story. Um, and if they're struggling with suggestions, you know, maybe they're, they're a new player or something, you can have the other fellow people help them out and with a suggestion um so once they've found what the problem is uh maybe there's a gully which they have to traverse second question you ask them how does your character solve that problem so if they're bandits maybe you seal them off with a display of swordsmanship or you intimidate them if you're getting across this gully maybe you have to jump across maybe you have to cut down a tree to get over it um and you can allow collaboration of the team as well so maybe it's a collaborative effort everyone has to cut down a tree or ford the river or whatever um and then after that's been done, you make them roll an appropriate skill check to see if they succeed or fail. So if they're jumping to jump, you know, acrobatics or athletics, if they're trying to solve a problem, maybe an investigation check, um, and then you see if they fail or succeed and then narrate what happens. <laughs> so immediately from that, you have a, a scene, right, you know, uh, and that your players come up with. And often, players have these ideas for their characters or maybe they, you know, they've got some backstory that they want to kind of bring up themselves, you know. Uh, maybe I encounter my my ex-wife or maybe I encounter a, a business <laughs> associate of mine who turned rogue or something like that and they have these ideas and then that allows you as a DM to then take control of that scenario and say okay well there's uh 
you know, this guy who used to know, I'm going to now roleplay him. We're now going to play out the scene and see how it goes. Uh, and you can go as in-depth to that mechanic as you want. You can play out whole scenes. I've had entire scenes that last like an hour or half an hour from just ideas that a player had um, and then the, the whole team get involved. But there's, there's some other rules that you can use as well. Something that in 4E they kind of had. So um, something I like to do is they can't use the same skill check two turns in a row. So if you're doing several kind of turns of this travel mechanic to separate different uh, passages of time than using the same one again. So like you can't use stealth to sneak past the kobolds twice, you know. Um, they, if it's, the skill has already been used that same turn by another player, you can't use it. So not everyone can roll nature or whatever. Um, just to encourage a little bit of um, diversity in the team to give everyone else their different role in the party. Um, you can even allow for a re-roll. So if someone rolls a nat one on something, you know, you can have them re-roll it. Uh, and then that brings into my last kind of idea for an additional rule is successes and failures can count towards an overall score. So if uh, they reach a certain amount of successes, they reach their destination easily. Nothing particularly bad befalls them. Uh, but if they all fail, <laughs> then maybe there's some consequences to that travel going so poorly. Maybe they run out of water or they're lost uh, and then they have to deal with that situation from there. So that's the, that's the kind of core of the mechanic. And I kind of use as much or as little of that depending on my group and how kind of experienced the players are. But um, that certainly helps me when I'm going through the, you know, because if you DM for a long time, you've gone through a lot of forests in your time as a party, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you're like, okay, we could throw giant spiders out. There could be ants. There could, you know. <laughs> um, and certainly sometimes your own imagination gets a little bit worn out, but allowing that to, to go on to the players a bit gives them some agency over the story. Um, and uh, they, they always come up with things that surprise me, that excite me, and that I have to roll with, that I found very... Uh, uh, encouraging for my own story because I like collaborative storytelling in my D&D games yeah. so um, it's certainly kind of lets them inject their own bit of narrative into my story so it's kind of our story which is something that players have always like absolutely loved I like the idea of uh, bringing it into a skill challenge you know I, I think of all the things that uh, fourth edition had to offer I think skill challenges for certain were one of the best parts of it and so by taking that and kind of making a microcosm of it and saying okay well how can i plug this kind of travel mechanic into my game where the onus is on the players to provide the narrative that's going to essentially put them in a position of power keeps them engaged and also lightens your workload so i love it cool. yeah i love the the idea of the play player agency that's what really really gets me because i think that just opens up so many doors and really if you give your players the chance to take over a little bit and tell something with the fact that it's like well if you've got some troll players that you have them understand hey i'll just if you come up with something that's totally ridiculous that is crazy and it's just you come across one million gold coins like <laughs> i i can i can veto that yeah <laughs> like exactly. and and if you know what if that happens once or twice i think that's almost good in the sense of your players will see like where your gauge is and you're like no 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 i'm sorry but that's not going to happen yeah. so to keep on doing that hopefully they're not going to keep on doing that and other players will say well how about this how about this happens i like that on so many levels because i think it's it's something that your players will immediately be engaged with because it's something that they are are wanting to role play through are wanting to if it's a monster they're wanting to do battle with it uh, they're engaged with it right off the bat because it's something that they were able to have the power to come up with and tell part of the story and i also think that beyond uh, just being engaged with it right away it's 
something that I like to call DMing in uh, training. DM. Uh, what? What? <laughs> what DM, am I trying to say? DMing in training. Um, I know what you mean because it's it's actually yeah. a really good tool to teach them how to, to DM, teach right? others yes <laughs> yeah, to, to dm or to at the very least be able to role play more and to be able to tell more of a narrative and you know i know that i have some players that do not game with the same mentality that i have i do and that's totally okay uh some of my players come and they just want to hit things and bash things but i like to do things like this because it's a way that i can say listen try out this narrative thing Try to really get into the story. Tell me what you think is going on. Tell me what what person you encounter on the road. Tell me what monster you encounter. Tell me what you find along the road. And it gives them the agency to do that. And it it like helps them to be able to maybe see that side of things, see that narrative side, and to be able to, to DM for a second. And maybe it lights that spark in them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I definitely like it with my group as well because sometimes a, a player will just have a really cool idea I would just never have thought of for their character um, because, you know, you're multitasking as a DM and they've got a really, really good idea. And I find that so often as a DM, the, the, the power of collaborative writing is so much stronger than just one guy, mm. right? So, um, you know, I might have been DMing for a long time, but, you know, that doesn't make me particularly good at it right um <laughs> so uh and i like that you know there's that kind of almost like a support system there of your group that they can help you out as you're helping them out um and like you say it helps them become dms in the future because it teaches them basically all the skills that you need as a dm tell me a story uh, and then let's play out that story so, Will, thank you so much for coming on to the Dungeon Master's Block. Thank you for being with us as we talked about travel in D&D. Uh, but very much thank you so much for coming on to tell us about this travel mechanic that you use in Encounter Roleplay. I think that this is something that all of us as DMs can benefit from, from trying this out, from giving our players like the chance to be able to say, this is what's happening. I know for me as a DM, there's too many times where I want my players to have some some meaningful experience along the road and instead of saying hey why don't you describe to me what meaningful experience happens along the road I try to force them into something or I've been that player who's been trying to be forced into a, a cool moment and that never really works out well so it's good to say here you have the agency you tell me what happens but so Thank you. if our <laughs> listeners would like to get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out to you if they'd like to check out Encounter Roleplay where can they do that at? Well, thank you so much for letting me come on this show and, and chat about travel. Uh, it's definitely been uh, absolutely an, an eye-opener for me in many ways as well. Getting to talk through something definitely helps me understand things better, and your guys' opinions are very much valued to me. Um, yes, if anyone wants to come and check out Encounter Roleplay, they can do. Uh, my Twitter handle is at EncounterRP. Uh, Encounter Roleplay is too long for Twitter. Um, but uh, <laughs> on Twitch, it's uh, twitch.tv forward slash Encounter Roleplay. I'm live basically every day, so if you want to come and ask me a question live, just hang out, get involved in the experience of playing along in the chat room, then uh, I'd absolutely love to uh, to come see you guys. And uh, yeah, you can ask me a question about anything whenever. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel as well, youtube.com forward slash Encounter Roleplay if you can't catch shows live. And all of my streams go up there. And I've got a podcast on iTunes called Adventurers Anonymous. Uh, on SoundCloud, you can find me on Encounter Roleplay as well. And uh, yeah, other than that, if you want to email in, um, then I do respond to emails at contact 
at EncounterRoleplay.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's all my hooks and plugs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so thank you so much once again for coming on. If anyone wants to come along and hang out sometime, I'd absolutely love to meet you. And uh, say that you're from here and uh, I'll give you extra extra brownie points. There you go. <laughs> and and definitely go and check out Encounter Roleplay. Definitely say that you found him through the Dungeon Master's block, if that's what, what happened. And definitely go on when you're able to give advice to what the players should have to improv and roleplay through and throw out some really cool and some really ridiculous things for them to have to roleplay through. Absolutely. The wacky Just <laughs> spam the deck of many things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> give me free cards to choose from, uh, guys. <laughs> exactly oh it's a dread wraith what do you know first card first card so will thank you so much for being thank on the you. show we will have to have you back on sometime soon absolutely love that we want to thank will again for joining we hope you enjoyed our discussion on traveling in DD. if you'd like to get in touch with us contact dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com if you like the show and want to support us head on over to itunes and give us a five-star review and you will get a shout out Follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. You can like our Facebook page. If you go and follow us on Twitter or like our Facebook page, those are great places to get updates about the show. D&D memes. I know, Andrew, you're not a big like comedy guy, so you won't like those D&D memes, but, you know, moving on. And you might get some D&D like updates as well. So go follow and like us there. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out is... Yeah, yeah right. right! That's it. Their name is Yeah, Right. Yeah, Right is a gold dragon, so we have to fear Yeah, Right, the gold dragon. I just feel like this this gold dragon speaks like a teenage girl. Just, yeah, right. Shut up. His dripping sarcasm attack is to be watched for. <laughs> to be watched for by all. <laughs> this podcast is part of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows on our network like the GM Showcase, Story Arc, and of course, We're So Bad at Adventuring. Well, with that, that's all that we have for you today on the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. And I'll be seeing you, Blockheads, later. And keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.